the art of videography and photography has the unique capability of being able to tell a story. This is certainly true when it comes to hunting and hunting films, as hunting films have been able to inspire entire generations of new hunters and veteran hunters alike. The ability to be able to tell a story through a film and through a picture is certainly a talent that should not be taken for granted. Today I have Cody Brown with me, and we have an amazing conversation all about getting started in videography and filming hunts, being introduced to hunting, um, telling stories through hunt films, and just overall the evolution of where hunt films used to be and where they are today and what direction they're going into in the future. I think you guys are going to enjoy today's conversation with Cody. He is uh, very insightful in his thoughts on hunting, and he really does apply that to his work behind the camera. He does a great job today in today's interview, and I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. But before we get into that, I just want to run through a couple quick announcements real fast. The RKE Afield website has just undergone a new makeover, so be sure to head over to rkeafield.com. Check that out. I think you guys are going to like the new look. Everything is updated, and in my opinion, it is looking pretty, pretty good. So make sure you guys check that out. That's rkeafield.com, and you can also connect to that through Facebook and Instagram. There are links in both of those social media outlets for you guys to be able to connect to the website from there. Now, also, if you haven't left us a rating yet, that would be great if you could go ahead and do that for us. Leave us a quick rating, and it would be greatly appreciated. Ratings is how podcasts are able to you know, gain momentum and be able to get going as far as climbing up the ranks in the podcast platforms and it really allows us to get new fresh eyes on our content and be able to continue to grow this movement that is the rice kill eat podcast so thank you guys those of you who have left the rating and if you haven't yet just go ahead and do that we appreciate it go ahead and subscribe to us that way you don't miss out on any of our future episodes i've got some awesome ones coming up i've already had some great ones um tony dempsey which is a great bow fisherman he's a great all-around hunter from here in kentucky had just last week, we had got Gonzer from Wyoming Snowy Elk Coffee. We had a great conversation all about the science behind roasting coffee and the different flavor profiles that Snowy Elk Coffee offers that are all embodying the great outdoors that, that we all love. Be sure to check out some of those episodes and then also stay tuned for this one and check out next week's i've got i've got a few good ones lined up here for you i think you guys are going to really enjoy it and without further ado we're going to get right into today's show i've got cody brown with beyond the lens productions you guys are really going to enjoy this one especially you guys who have some plans to do some filming in your outdoor adventures coming up this this summer and this fall and this winter so be sure to stick around and make sure you listen to this go ahead and get out a notebook he goes through some really great information all about the equipment and just about anything that is involved with filming hunts. So stay tuned for that. Thank you guys again. God bless. So I got Cody Brown here and uh, Cody Brown is the owner and operator of Beyond the Winds. Thank you, Cody, for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Yeah, no problem, man. We're excited. So Beyond the Winds, it's a it's a production company. So it's a, something that you and your wife do and... It's something that, for the most part, you guys do weddings and stuff like that. But how long have you been doing Beyond the Lens? 
Um, so I've been doing some sort of, uh, you know, videography and photography work for, um, you know, close to, close to 10 years, um, in, you know, one form or another, but we've been owning the business now since I guess it's coming up on our sixth, uh, year here since we've been doing our own thing. So we've shot for other people, um, shot for uh, a church that, um, I worked for in Carrollton. And so just kind of built up a lot of my know-how there. Um, and then we launched it, um, like I said, about six years ago, and we've been, you know, kind of going strong ever since. So like you said, we do weddings, uh, we do real estate stuff, um, and then a lot of our, you know, more passionate things that we enjoy doing, like the uh, outdoor stuff, so like hunting films and things like that. So a lot of times it's the wedding stuff and the real estate stuff that funds being able to do some of the stuff that's a little more fun. Um, but yeah, yeah like I said, it's about, it's about six years total since we owned it. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, we're definitely going to get into talking about hunting and that kind of thing, getting getting the film inside of it. That's a big part of it. And I've seen some of your pictures and some of your videos and stuff and they, man, they're, they're flat out awesome. So that's, that's a oh, lot of reason you. why I wanted to have you on today. Um, so what first inspired you to start videography? You said you started about 10 years ago. So what was it about 10 years ago that kind of, you know, lit that spark for you and you were, you were inspired to do videography and photography? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I think back to kind of like growing up and things like that, I was kind of that kid too that always wanted to get like the extended versions of movies, you know, all like the extra footage and watch, you know, a ton of the behind the scenes, you know, how things were made and would drive my sisters nuts wanting to watch all the bonus features on <laughs> uh, So I kind of see back then that I had an interest in knowing how that stuff happened, but it wasn't really until I picked up all a video recorder, I guess, yeah, it was right about that 10-year-ago mark. Um, I was working for um, a church, and we wanted to begin doing just just standard video announcements, basically. And uh, we found this cheap, handheld video recorder that somebody stuck upstairs. It was probably like 10 years out of date. And we just began doing things with that and definitely piqued my interest. So I kind of, you know, began to upgrade gear and purchase things on my own and, you know, shot stuff for the church. And then we kind of had our first opportunity to shoot a, uh, a wedding. One of our friends was getting married and he and his fiance at the time kind of had a unique backstory of, you know, they dated for a while. We're going to get married, split up, didn't see each other for like 10 years went out to dinner one night and then got married six months from that dinner. It was just like a crazy backstory. And uh, so the, the pastor that was marrying them was like, hey, this would be interesting if people heard this story. And so we took them down to this lake and got some shots of them out on the pier at this lake telling their story, got some shots of them walking around and kind of edited it all together. And that was like our first kind of custom video you know, that we ever uh, did. And then from there, it was kind of like people started asking, hey, do you do weddings? What kind of stuff do you do? And so that really inspired us to kind of start the business from there, kind of started as a favor and then began to work into something bigger from that. Yeah, that's awesome that you guys were able to, you know, take the talents and take the experience that you had and be able to apply it to doing something that you, you enjoy doing. That's really cool that you're able to do that. 
Yeah, and it was it was neat because we hadn't uh, didn't really have that on our mind or our to do really at all um, before that, and then it's kind of once the bug bit, it, it bit pretty hard, and it just kind of took off from there. And so we just like being able to tell you know people's unique stories, and so that's one of the reasons that we just keep doing it is whether it's a wedding or a business commercial or it's an outdoor hunting film, whatever it is, there's a unique story that these people are wanting to tell through video that they just may, maybe don't know how to tell or can't see the story within the stuff that they do every day. And you get to go in and work with them to craft something unique to them. And I think that's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome that you're able to tell those stories. So when was it that you actually started to to do filming with, uh, with hunting? So when did you start filming hunts? Um, I would say starting hunts, I guess it would have been um probably six or seven years ago for sure um i kind of came in on the on the back end there's a guy that goes to our church uh by the name of steve meadows and he owned a company called in the woods video productions and so he was really doing video work um shortly after i got into it but doing outdoor film work you know way before me and so uh as he you know knew that i was kind of up and coming and started this thing um i ended up doing a lot of projects uh, with them, you know, from time to time, kind of a, a contract basis, helping them put together the the DVDs and doing a lot of the editing and production of DVDs. And then he would take those and kind of sell them to um, his friends at work and different things like that. And people that are just interested to know what was going on with, you know, with his season that year. And so it was a lot of whitetail hunts, you know, duck hunting, always some turkey hunts. And that kind of got me into the rhythm of what kind of outdoor filming was. Um, it wasn't super elaborate at that time. It was kind of like turn on a camera, talk a little bit from the stand, and go from there. Uh, but that was probably about you know seven or eight years ago that I began to work with them and help them out on those type of projects. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I said, I've seen some of the some of the things that you've done recently, and it looks it looks really neat. And the fact that you're able to you know take some experiences from from some other people is is really cool that you're able to apply that. Now, do you hunt yourself? You're, you're a hunter also, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah man. Grew up hunting and fishing. Uh, some of my earliest memories were, you know, dad waking us up early to, to go out. And I remember uh, specifically, I guess I had just gotten past my orange car test uh, here in Kentucky. And it was my first uh, year whitetail hunting. And they had this competition for youth weekend going on at, at Walmart in Carrollton, where Carrollton, Kentucky, where I grew up. And uh, it was the the heaviest weight doe and the heaviest weight buck got a free mount that they actually paid for. And uh, that weekend, I took a doe, and it was the heaviest weight one that was turned in for youth weekend. And actually, that thing is mounted, and it, it's still in my uncle's house. Uh, to this day so yeah man my earliest memories were, were outdoors all the time that's awesome yeah there's so many hunting stories i feel like a lot of hunting stories they originate from you know dads uncles grandpas that kind of thing i just think it's a really cool thing whenever we look back on how we've started hunting and uh just be able to see those see the people that had the influences in our lives for for me like my dad was the one that really he introduced me initially and it uh, really got me into hunting. You know, it's probably in my early teenage years there in Owen County, actually. So it was, yeah. it was those uh, those early years 
that really kind of kind of introduced me and I was able to pick up on some things along the way and had a good buddy of mine here recently uh, over the past several handful of years who've shown me a lot of different types of hunting and how to hunt different types of animals and it's really cool how looking back you know the influences that people have which is it's really it's just really neat to see yeah and like uh, Steve the guy that owned that video production company that I first started kind of filming hunts with um, he's really the one that taught my buddy Brian and I uh, really all about bow hunting really didn't have much you know exposure to that growing up we did a lot of rifle hunting and and squirrel and, and you name it, but uh, really just kind of got a passion about bow hunting and, and learning more and, you know, helped me purchase my uh, my first bow, you know, gave me tips on what to look for, how to practice, and still to this day is one of the best shots that, that I know. And so, yeah, it is guys like that, kind of like the hand the baton a little bit. It's like you get a little bit from, you know, that dad-uncle figure, and then you also find people, you know, that are like-minded as well around you that are above your skill level to kind of learn and, and glean from as well. Absolutely. You just hit the, hit the nail on the head with that one. That's, that's a good way of putting it right there. So, uh, what types of hunts have you filmed before? I, I think I, I you kind of got into it a little bit there, but I think I remember seeing something a little out West. Is that right? Did you go out West a couple of times? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've done a, a lot around here. So, you know, the typical, uh, white trail hunts. You know, try to do that every season if we if we can kind of uh, capture those memories. But uh, ducks, uh, turkey, um, rabbits, some fishing, all that stuff, kind of local. Um, and that was when I was you know helping out shooting for um, that friend of mine. But they were kind of that typical, like I was saying before, talk. You know, before you're going in the woods, a little bit of scenery, a talk from the stand. Hopefully, you get them drawn back on the animals. So it's kind of this. Uh, we kind of had a rhythm with it, um, but I'd say the biggest challenge um, was when we did go out west, and so we have done um, a couple of uh, South Dakota mule deer hunts and a black bear hunt out uh, west as well. So it's kind of an interesting mixture and, and really a lot different from you know filming some stuff here to going out there with just the expanse of land and the different types of animals and scenery that you see. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff local, some in Minnesota, you know, Ohio, Indiana, and then a few spots out West. Yeah, that's really cool that you're able to get out there and do that. So South Dakota, I mean, I've seen pictures of it and from what I've seen, man, it looks like it's just a bunch of rolling hills with some, uh, about knee high grass. Is that, is that a pretty accurate? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. And then some places where there's just nothing, it's just, it's, it's so wild to look at it. We, uh, we went out to a place where you were actually able to, to fly drones um, right outside of our, our hunting area where we uh, went out there. And once you got up in the air, we got a couple of drone shots um, to use for our film. And it just looks like it could be another planet. Mm-hmm. It's just like that barren and just the way that things are all, you're just like, there's no way that this could be on Earth. It kind of feels like that. And so, yeah, a lot of rolling hills, but also super flat. You know, you don't have a ton of elevation. And so you might see the lights of a city far off, but that thing could be 12 miles away, and it looks like you could just jog there. Holy cow, that's that's crazy. Man, that's that's awesome. So uh, you got yeah, into talking a little bit about telling stories. I think that's something that you've excelled at, and a lot of things that I've seen, uh, you know, some other videographers and some other photographers, it's your all's ability to be able to tell a story with the picture or be able to tell a story with a, with a video. 
So what are some factors that, that you need to consider when you're telling stories of a hunt? Yeah. So I, I say I learned the most, um, when we decided to do that, that bear film, uh, my buddy Brian decided he was going to go do an archery bear hunt, um, out in Montana. And we kind of made the goal right there to just to film it and to, to make it kind of our biggest project to date, basically. And so, you know, we knew that we had to have some awesome shots of the animals, you know, obviously it's kind of like what we're going out there for, but we also wanted to tell a compelling story and, and just be genuine with it. And uh, Brian explained it in the best way I've ever heard. He said, it's like you get a whole film crew together, a whole production. Um, you get all, all the cameramen ready, all the gears you need. You go on set, which was, you know, Montana for us. And you're attempting to make this film where the lead actor being the bear might not ever show up. Right. Yeah. And so we're, we're looking at it from, from that lens and we're saying, okay, so how can we make this story about something that's even deeper than just the bear hunt? So if something happens that we go to Montana and we don't even see a black bear, which could happen, we were going in, you know, on our own, never laid eyes on the, the landscape, really wanted to make this happen just on our own. And so we knew that could be a reality. And so that really challenged us to start thinking about other aspects of the hunt. And what we ended up landing on was, Brian's grandpa, the one who, just like you were talking about earlier, brought him into the outdoors, took him fishing, took him hunting. Um, he had a really close relationship with him, kind of raised him a lot of his life. And uh, he was currently in a nursing home and couldn't do hunting, you know, any sort of hunting or fishing anymore. And uh, Brian still had that strong connection with him. And so um, the beginning of the film was Brian going into uh, the nursing home and having a conversation with his grandpa about the hunt we're about to go on. And it just happened uh, to, to be for coincidence that uh, his grandpa had two large black bear paintings on the wall of his room in the nursing home that he had brought in. Oh, man. And so, you know, we were able to focus on that. And so the whole story was uh, really crafted around their relationship and this first trip out west for Brian. And so we really drew off that kind of relationship so that we sort of had a unique angle to, you know, to go off of. So it wasn't just about the hunt. And so that kind of changed our storyline up a little bit. So I would say when you're looking for, you know, the story, um, it's kind of one of those things The hunting films have been done a million times. Yeah. And so it's like I would look for what's unique to you and genuine to you. And, and try to tell the story from that perspective. And then look around you, you know, what kind of scenery um, is around the area where you're hunting? How could you, you know, get some shots of that to edit in and over top of the footage, you know, of your hunt? And, you know, I think being genuine is, is kind of the, the, the big one here. Because it's so easy to either get nervous in front of a camera or, you know, maybe you're not super comfortable, haven't done it a lot. And so you end up kind of coming across as, maybe a, an outdoor personality that you've heard before. And the thing about audiences is they like smell that stuff from a mile away. Like they want, you know, you to be genuine to you. So I would maybe figure out, you know, what is it that drives me? What is my motivation to be outside? And then just try to tell that in a unique way. So it's, you know, the hunt is a part of it, but if you uh, ever watch that bear film and we maybe talk about it at the end where people could watch that if they want to, um, you'll see uh, a much broader story 
um, outside of just the hunt of Brian and his grandpa, and then really us as the crew kind of celebrating, you know, what to, took place and just kind of reliving that memory. And so maybe take a step outside of just the hunt and look at some unique ways with whether it be your motivations or the scenery around you that you can make it about the adventure itself and the hunt is just part of that. Man, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I think kind of like you said that, that uh, ability to be able to, you know, find the, the alternative story, I guess is, is, what I'm trying to say here, but be able to find the story that's not just about the hunt, but it's more about, about the people. I mean, a lot of the good hunt films that I've seen done, like, I don't want to throw any names out there cause I want this to be about you, but uh, a lot of the ones that I've seen, they have that ability to be able to, you know, take what's going on with the people that are hunting rather than the actual hunt themselves. I mean, like you said, there's so many films out there where, you know, all you're seeing is kill shots and you're seeing, you know, animals hit the ground and that kind of thing, but it just lacks that ability of being able to tell that story like you were like you were getting at there. And where that's pretty awesome that they were able to you guys were able to get the black bear pictures in the nursing home and that's just that's crazy. And stuff like that, yeah, that just just ties it in. And you know, I, I grew up with uh, you know, big buck hunting DVDs. I'm yeah. sure that we all did if you if you had any family member that hunted. And, you know, I think those had their time and their, their place. Uh, I think now people are looking for something outside of that, kind of a broader sense of adventure than just the, you know, 10 seconds that, you know, you harvest the animal. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people who listen to your podcast are, you know, familiar with the Meat Eater TV show. Absolutely. One of my favorites. Very, very, very well done. And uh, that first episode that I ever watched where they didn't, uh, harvest an animal at all, but the show itself was still felt very complete. Was inspiring to me to be like, okay, it doesn't have to be all about that, and and that there was an authenticity to that uh, specific episode that I think people appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. I think I know which one you're talking about. I think it was a, a Yukon moose hunt, I believe. It was like yeah, a two part episode. Yeah, and then. It, that was that episode still to this day is still one of my favorites because it shows the whole progression of you know the hunt it just doesn't get in it's not you know a 10 minute episode of them just tracking down some massive animal that you know wouldn't normally exist anywhere else but they're out there you know they're struggling in the in the wild they're dealing with wind i mean they're trying to get this these moose that are you know way off in the distance trying to close in on them and they eventually they you know get busted and that kind of thing is it really tells the whole story of how hunts actually occur because anybody that's hunted for any amount of time has experienced something very similar to that oh exactly that's that's real life yeah uh hunting situations it, it definitely doesn't always go right and when you're fortunate enough you know for it for it to happen for you it's really nice but to be able to tell that story regardless i think is pretty powerful yeah absolutely so what kind of uh what kind of challenges have you faced while filming hunts? I mean, I mean, I know, I know dealing with weather may be an issue. I mean, there may be all kinds of things that you can kind of give us more insight in, but whenever you're trying to film a hunt and you know, what are some challenges that you, that you face while you're trying to do that? Yeah, definitely. I would say, um, the two main ones that I can think of is that, uh, filming takes multiple people. That's uh, that's that's something that's definitely a challenge. I mean, I know a lot of guys that 
that film themselves. But if you're looking to do anything on um, a large scale, you need multiple crew members. And so a lot of times, that, that's cool if you're just hiking around in the mountains. But when you're actually trying to, um, you know, pursue an animal, you know, that's double the noise, double the scent. Uh, double the movement, you know, that up in a tree that, right. you know, you know, they can be spotting or, you know, double the times that you can get skull on if you're trying to spot and stalk an animal. And so uh, a lot of times you have to be okay with some stalks getting blown for the sake of you filming. That's one of the things that happened to us in Montana and multiple times in South Dakota. Mule deer are so tough to stalk. And so we, you know, on the Montana bear hunt specifically, we, you know, blew, I think, three stalks before that successful stalk on that last bear. And so a lot of it, that's challenging. And sometimes, you know, if you're thinking if if, if we were just hunting, I could have done this on my own. And so, you know, you're trying to be sneaky. You're trying to cut down a little bit on on your footprint and, and getting skyline. Um, up on a ridge or something like that but it just kind of comes with the territory that it, it's a little bit tougher to harvest with multiple people so that's definitely a challenge and i think you have to be okay with not getting um, the animal every time because you are wanting to capture it and you know with that just comes you know the risk of getting busted a lot more often so that's definitely the the first one and then the second one is probably the gear uh, like you mentioned, weather is, is a big deal. Uh, when it comes to cameras, cameras and water don't mix too well. Um, so you're always worrying about making sure that those things are covered, uh, making sure that things are packed away if, if the rain starts. And then also, uh, camera gear is pretty heavy. And so to have everything you know that you need and to have a pot that you can move everything around, it takes up a lot of space heavy and so you really have to be committed you know to doing it and sometimes in your mind you're like it would just be easier to leave all this stuff at home and just just hunt and so you know there's a time and a place for that obviously but you know if you're committed to doing it um, just know that it's a lot of times uncomfortable Um, weather definitely affects things and then the fact that you know when you have multiple people on any kind of hunt you run the risk of getting busted yeah, definitely. Uh, that's definitely a good way of putting it because you're going to have that scent that you normally carry is going to be multiplied by however many people you got with you. So that's definitely something to I can see being an issue because, I mean, I've been hunting by myself before and gotten busted. So I can imagine, you know, having three or four other guys with me. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, yeah we learned our, our lesson kind of on uh, on that the first bear stalk of that hunt um, in the film. Uh, we came up wind swirled this bear you know catches wind of us and we're at about 50 yards probably at this point and just looks looks right at us uh first bear that i've ever seen up that close i forget to press record on the camera brian forgets to draw back on his bow and it was just just a mess and then we kind of had to just regroup after that okay now we know we need to stick a little bit closer to one another kind of be one object instead of two and so it's definitely a learning process with any of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've, I've tried to record some of myself doing some like solo hunts and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, usually what I end up with is about three to four hours of nothing. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Tim Burnett. He's a solo hunter. He goes around. Yeah. He, yeah, he films, films his own hunts, uh, along with Remy Warren. 
And um, yeah, he, he kind of got into a little bit of what you were getting into there where, um, you know, you get mad at the cameras almost because if you could just drop the, the cameras, then, you know, you could just hunt and go out there and, you know, get the job done a lot faster than trying to get it done. But it requires that passion, requires that patience and that just the, uh, the desire to want to tell the story to uh, just kind of endure it and, and get through it. He kind of get got into that a little bit. Absolutely. And and I would even say from the, the hunter's perspective that once, you know, that has some guys that are going to film this hunt, you know, that, that takes a high level of patience too because, you know, videographers is kind of the way their mind, it's just the, the, the mind of an artist works. You know, you see something that you want to get. And so you might be in the middle of hiking you know, up, up some steep, um, inclination and then just steep incline. And so then you're like, uh, okay, we need to stop, go back. Can you go back about 20 feet and then walk past me again? <laughs> and, and, you know, your mind's on, okay, where are these bears? Uh, where do we need to get to, you know, to start looking at their binoculars or, you know, even, you know, uh, where are we going, where these mule deer might be bedded or, or even, you know, these ducks got to get out here and get these decoys set up. And then you have this videographer asking you to redo something basic like walking. Yeah. And just because they're looking for a specific shot that they know will help tell the story. And so you end up having to redo things um, a little bit as well, which takes time. So like you're saying, it doesn't have to be a passion for it um, to, to be able to, you know, want to share those stories. And then just, you know, communication between who's filming and who's hunting to know that hey, these are things that we have to get. And so we're going to take, you know, the time to do it as well. Uh, but definitely it, it, it's a little bit of a handicap when hunting, uh, but the end result is great. So it's just kind of paying the price more than anything. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, perspective, good point of view you included there, because I didn't, hadn't really thought about it from the hunter's perspective. And yeah, I can definitely see how that would require quite a bit of patience and require quite a bit of, uh, you know, understanding for what the videographer is trying to do. Yeah, and it's good if you have a you know a hunter that thinks that way yeah. that you know either is a videographer themselves or kind of know what they want, you know. But there's no doubt in my mind that on a couple of those blown stalks that we had specifically on the bear hunt, that Brian probably would have harvested one of those bears. But when there was two of us going, you know, it, it just didn't happen. We spooked them a few times. The wind swirled, like I said, another time, and so. You know, had we not been on the same page, that could have been really frustrating for him. But knowing what our goal was to, you know, to be able to capture that story and share it. And, you know, that one we really started off with the desire to put it in the full draw film tour, um, which is the uh, real tree owned it at the time. Yeah. But it's an archery only film tour that, you know, rents out theaters. And so that was our, our goal in making that. And so we do hey, it's worth it. It's worth paying the price of blowing a few stocks at the end result is we get to share this story. Yeah, definitely. That's that's awesome that you guys had that in mind. That's really neat. So uh, we kind of talked about your equipment there. So what kind of mm -hmm. camera and what kind of other accessories do you use typically for, for a, a hunt? Yeah, so uh, a camera, you know, obviously would be the, the first thing. They make all different kinds. Uh, of cameras um we choose to use dslrs um they're a little bit more um what we would call in 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 the videography world cinematic so it looks a lot more like something you'd see on a movie um where kind of the handheld camcorders a lot of times 
look more like news footage or, you know, the home videos that your dad used to shoot kind of deal. Right. And so uh, we choose to use DSLRs. And so a lot of like the handheld cameras will have a long lenses built into them um, where you have to bring multiple lenses with the DSLR camera. So there's, there's kind of, you know, pros and cons to both. Um, but camera being the main thing, you want something that, you know, you're going to be able to, to run for hours on end, something that can handle um, uh, dirt <laughs> and being out outside. If you're going on any kind of multi-day trip, uh, you got to have something that has decent battery life. And so um, we run some Sony cameras now. Um, Sony A7S II is kind of our main camera that we run for uh, most of the stuff that we do. And it's, it's a, like I mentioned, the DSLR. So we have a lot of lenses that go along with that. So for hunts, we're typically bringing um, a wide lens, so something that can show you, you know, a good chunk of the scenery that's around you, um, a good chunk of the mountain that you're on, something that, that you can do a lot of landscape shots with, something that kind of draws people in and you can see, you know, it's shooting a lot at once. Um, and then we'll bring a medium uh, lens, so something that's a little bit tighter, uh, to be able to do some shots of like setting up the tent and things like that. And then we always bring a, a big zoom lens because uh, one of the tough things about hunting is that the animals aren't always where you want them to be. And yeah. so they're, uh, they're usually further out or you think they're going to come out on this plateau and they don't. And so having a, a camera with a, a, a long enough lens that you can zoom in and still get shots of the animals um, is, is huge. You know, if you only shot wide, they would look really small on the screen. So being able to, to punch in tight and getting good shots of wildlife makes all the difference because it just brings it to life when it's big on the screen like that. And then that also allows you to have a little bit of distance between you and the hunter as well. So you don't have to be right on their heels to be able to get, you know, the shots that you need. So the two main ones there are definitely camera body and lenses, uh, and then some kind of stabilization. So we bring a lot of times a, a monopod. So it's basically like what a shooting monopod would be for your rifle. Um, it goes down to the ground, comes all the way up, and your camera actually locks on top of it. And uh, what that does is it gets the camera out of your hands because you don't realize how shaky that you are until you try to hold a camera still uh, in your own hands. You just you just shake so bad, and so what that does is it plants that um, camera firmly on the ground that has a little feet on it, and then you hold the actual pole, and then you can you know move it back and forth and capture the stuff that you need to capture of the animal. So it's just a little bit of stabilization so that your footage isn't shaky and it's nice and crisp and clear. Um, a lot of times we'll bring um, a tripod as well. So monopod obviously being one leg, tripod being three. Um, and then if we're doing something um, where we know that we don't have to pack uh, way in, so if we're doing something like a, a deer hunt here um, at, back at home or a duck hunt or something like that, um, we uh, have this thing called a, a three-axis stabilizer. So what, what it basically is is it has little motors, and you hook your camera right in the middle of it, and then when you walk, it takes all of the bounce and movement out of your walking. So you can actually walk forward and backward with it and that your camera stays perfectly still. And so those things are a little bit pricey. They're more of a luxury than a necessity when, you know, shooting 
um, hunting videos, but, you know, getting that shot, uh, you know, walking through the field, carrying the deer or turkey or something like that. It's just a, a really neat image to have. And so that kind of thing makes that popular. And so, like I said, definitely more of a necessity. They're, they're a little expensive, but if you have the means to even rent one, um, they're really, really neat to have. And like I said, it's a lot of movement shots where it just kind of feels like you're floating through the air. That's what those things are meant for. And so um, definitely some sort of stabilization. Holding it in your hand works. Um, you know, sometimes some cameras have stabilization built into them. Um, so when you shake them, it takes a little bit of the shake out. But it's a night and day difference when you get that camera out of your hands and, you know, onto the ground. So we always have some form of stabilization. Um, lots and lots of batteries is, is a big one. Um, buy way more than you need. Uh because, you know, you never know when an animal will come in or, or not step into your shooting lane. Or maybe you have, during a rut, you have a buck that's that's way out not wanting to come in. Um, or a turkey that's kind of hung up. And so you're recording for long periods of time. The last thing that you want to have happen is uh, your battery die as that animal comes in the frame. Um, had a couple nightmare stories of that happening myself and so plenty of batteries like i said we overshoot on the batteries bring a bunch of them um and probably lastly i'd say is audio gear um there's a ton of different audio options out there there's cameras that mount right on top of your camera and so they kind of pick up all the noise of whatever's being talked about or said um, in front of your camera so it kind of has a little range that it goes to and so those are, are really good options um and they're not really expensive so a lot of times we'll bring one of those and just keep it on the camera um but they also make little lapel mics that you can actually stick on your on your subject so um if you have somebody that you're hunting or even if even if you're filming yourself you can put that on it just clips onto your shirt usually your camo shirt or something like that and then those uh that audio will record straight to the camera and so you don't have to always be facing that mic that's set on top um, but we, a lot of times we'll bring both because what we found is, uh, you can deal with a little bit shaky footage, you know, when you're filming, but bad audio is really hard to get over. Um, and it's really hard to watch if your audio isn't good. And so we'll have a redundant, um, audio system. So we'll have, you know, the subject wearing a lapel mic, like I mentioned, um, road mic, Mike is the company, Road Mike, and they make a lot of really good stuff. And then we'll also have a microphone on top of the camera as well. So you always have a redundant system in case something crazy happens with one or the other. You forget to turn it on. There's just a lot of factors that go into it. And so having two um, sets of audio just in case um, has definitely saved our rears on more than one occasion. Um, I would say a backpack as well to pack it all in. Um, something that maybe you could buy a rain cover for just in case you do get into some inclement weather or, you know, you're wanting to do an all day sit in the whitetail woods. And next thing you know, a storm blows in and you have like camera gear or something, you can just stuff it in that's waterproof or at least water resistant, um, can definitely save you some headaches. And then they actually make some bags that are relatively cheap that go over top of your camera. And so a lot of times we're bringing those with us just in case. So we can actually still film, uh, but we have a plastic bag that covers our camera and covers our lens a little bit so that you can film in the rain without, you know, destroying anything. 
definitely not something you want to uh, happen. You got you know several thousand dollars worth of equipment you don't want to get ruined by by some rain. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, and, and that stuff is just so expensive, you know. And, and you just kind of collect gear over time. I mean, you know, we were shooting on some of the first versions of the GoPro, which. If you ever look back at those, uh, the footage from those first few GoPros, they were terrible, really bad, like fisheye, where it looks like your image is rounded real bad. Yeah. And I mean, we, we saw on that, and then we just, you know, upgraded and, and things as we went. And so, you know, you look back over time and you're like, this is, you know, this is a few thousand dollars of equipment um, that could be ruined in a minute if, you know, you don't have the proper protection for sure. Yeah, I've seen films where they've used, you know, I wouldn't say maybe bad equipment, but not as high quality as equipment. And you can definitely tell the difference between the uh, videographers that have invested their, their money into getting good equipment compared to those that don't necessarily have that equipment. I mean, it just it completely changes the way the, the film looks. It, it really does. And, you know, one of the things, it's like a, it's a big investment for people initially, but if you can find some kind of, you know, as you build your video skills, if anybody's looking to get into it, and as, as you get better with your camera, there's, there's plenty of, like, side hustles that you can get into, whether it's doing some stuff for maybe a real estate agent or something like that, where you can actually begin recouping some of that money. Um, or even, you know, getting to the place where, you know, you sell your hunting films, even if it's to your friends and family and just those around you making DVDs or whatever, but just finding a way to then use that tool being the camera to make some money to be able to help fund, you know, doing what you love. Right. Absolutely. So what is your, uh, what's been your favorite part of being on these types of hunts? Oh man, there's a lot. Um, I would say, I'd say the camaraderie, there's there's something about when you're you know, you have a group of people like a crew working towards a common a common goal. And so, you know, for the bear film it was that there was four of us really working towards, you know, creating this film. Um, when I go out and, and film um, you know, a whitetail hunt, it's like you have this goal of, of, of this maybe this buck that you've been waiting on and had pictures of all year, this mature animal. And so there's, there's a camaraderie with some of these hunts. And, and if you do any kind of out west backpack trip, which is what we prefer to do, we love to bring everything in on our backs and, you know, camp out there and stay as many days as we possibly can. Um, it's really nice to have somebody to, to suffer through that a little bit with. And so you have this goal of making a film and you also kind of have the camaraderie of like, hey, I know this weather's bad or we've blown three stalks, but you still have this common goal to work towards has been a huge part. And there's something that happens with um, relationships that when you go through bad weather or bad hunts or and then especially even successful hunts, there's a bond that happens there. I don't know if you've experienced it with anybody that you had the opportunity to hunt with, but oh, yeah. you know, every time you get together, you just talk about these stories again. Yeah. And it just brings up that excitement. And hey, remember that time when we were snowed into that to our tent in South Dakota for two straight days? And you know, you can relive it and laugh about it. And so it really is a, a camaraderie when it comes to to these type of hunts. It's probably you know one of my one of my favorite things. And the other side kind of goes along with it is just the disconnecting from everything and being able to focus. You know be out of doors, be on some wild expanses of land or be in the back, 
you know, 40 at my parents' place, whitetail hunting, and just be able to, to disconnect from it. And then really, you know, especially right now, we film, you know, like I said, a lot of business commercials and weddings. And so we're always, you know, going and seeing kind of the same type of scenery, shooting in the city and things like that, and sort of change perspectives and be able to, to look at the world uh, through the lens, just like, you know, we do for our jobs, but get to, get to shoot trees and animals and wildlife. I think that disconnecting um, from everything, you know, is a huge part of it for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's uh, definitely a good balance that you have to consider is the, you know, seeing, seeing all that, like you said, the, the same type of scenery, you're seeing the concrete and a lot of the different things. And then whenever you're able to get out into nature, it just, it's, it's reinvigorating to a certain extent because you're able to, you know, disconnect, reconnect to who you actually are and what you're actually passionate, passionate about. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, how has being on these types of hunts, how has it in filming hunts, how has it made you a better videographer, photographer, you know, just, just overall, we've talked about a little bit about you, doing weddings and doing different business things and different types of like that. How has the hunt specifically going out and filming the hunts? How has that improved your skills? Yeah, man, that's an awesome question. Um, I'd say that, that being a, being just being a hunter in general has, has helped me sharpen, you know, my videography skills. And then obviously going on this hunt has, has done it even greater, but you know, you have to be, uh, as a hunter, you have to be aware you know, picking up on small movements and subtle differences in landscape and all that. It's helped me notice, you know, I would say, you know, smaller details when I am doing a, a wedding, you know, you know, for instance, and, and just having an eye out for like the small details that kind of help bring a video together. Um, a lot of times it's not the, the main subject of a film or kind of the main content, but it's a lot of the the small in-between shots that make the difference. And so I would say that's the same for, for weddings especially. And so just having that eye for noticing subtle things and subtle differences and details that I could then capture, um, I think a lot of that definitely comes from sitting in the woods because the majority of my experience is whitetail hunting. And uh, you just got to have a good eye and noticing just kind of those, those small things and then going out west and, you know, trying to uh, uh, look through binoculars and find a bedded mule deer when you're looking at hundreds of acres of land around you, um, it definitely sharpens your awareness, I would say. And, uh, you know, spotting game definitely, you know, bleeds over into, into other areas for us. So I would just say that the detail that um, you can capture and see uh, it when you're hunting definitely would play a part in, you know, being able to look at uh, – a large scheme of a video or business commercial that you're wanting to shoot and really being able to hone on some specifics that help set it apart. That's a great way of putting it there. Before we get going here, do you have any, any hunts coming up this fall that you're planning on filming? Yeah, we're um, going back to South Dakota again. Uh, you know, just, we love it out there. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And so uh, Brian, my buddy and I are actually going to go, um, back again this will be our fourth trip um out that way and so if we um if we harvest this time we'll probably be putting together um footage from the four years that we've gone and 
try to make something one big project out of um, every time that we've went that we've gone down there and just the stuff that we've learned um, along the way which I'm really excited about because the first year we went um, we bumped deer like crazy we really were learning about how to how to hunt that area and so we bumped so many deer in that week that we were there and then we had a small window of like four days in December um, that our tag was still good for and we were both didn't have anything going on with work and so we shot back over there in December and then got caught in like negative 20 degree temperatures while we were out there it's just been crazy all the trips that we've taken and so we really think that we're starting to learn that area and those animals more and so it'll be fun to to kind of edit that full project together once we you know once we're successful uh, in that specific area that we're going so be a lot of seasons change and then obviously you'll see our skill change a lot in between the years and so we're gonna go film that um a lot of hunting out here at home, you know. I didn't get drawn for the elk tag this year, so that's uh, definitely a bummer. Yeah, I, I didn't either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I know. I did see there was a couple people from Owen County here, yeah. though, that, that that got drawn. So that's exciting for them. So I was a little bit bummed. I was kind of, I was kind of hinging on that a little bit this year. I just I had a feeling that it was going to be the year, but um, I also put in for um, a moose hunt in Maine, and so I'll be getting those results back. Uh, here pretty quickly and so um, if that happens then Brian's actually going to be coming with me and he'll film uh, me on that hunt so we'll do a little bit of role reversal there man that's awesome don't feel bad about the whole elk thing because I mean every year I feel like I go through that where you know this is the year this is what this is going to be it so we're going to go down there and get it done and my name doesn't get drawn so (laughs) it is what it is I guess it is, and I, I know the, the day that the, they did the live drawings on that Saturday, and uh, yeah. we were uh, we were actually shooting a wedding for a friend of ours, and um, we had to had to film some, you know a part of the, it was a part of the day where we were just kind of filming some of the details, so we weren't really around anybody. And I'm pretty sure I was driving my wife nuts because I just had it <laughs> on my phone playing in my pocket while we're working just trying to hear my name, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah, definitely a bummer. So looking forward to next year. I know that, um, there's a, a foundation, um, I think it is the Kentucky wildlife foundation yeah. that has, that has the, uh, a tag that they're going to be, um, given away. And so I might put in for that as well. I know the proceeds go to send in, um, some kids to conservation camp this year here in Kentucky. So I might, might put in for that just uh just kind of a wild hair to see if i might get drawn for that one yeah you just never know that one for sure that that'd be a you know a last ditch effort to get in there and try to try to get one yep so you're telling me there's a chance yeah you're telling me there's a chance that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was actually uh that was the wedding that me and uh, rebecca were at we were we were there because i had the um the live stream playing on my phone also <laughs> while we That's were there. That's hilarious. Yeah, both of us there that day. Yeah. yeah. And I think our wives went, went to school together. Is that correct? Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, they grew up together. They were friends all throughout all throughout school and went to high school together and graduated, which is pretty crazy to think about. That's such, such a small world, man. That's it, it awesome. It sure is. Yeah, definitely. So I got one last question for you. So this is a question that I kind of wrap up all my shows with. And uh, I've had some pretty cool answers come from this question so i want to see what you're able yep. to come up with and that is what does hunting mean to you yeah man that's that's an awesome question um oh so much so 
I guess I th- it's probably changed a little bit over the course of my life, I would say. Um, I think, you know, growing up, it was just something that we did. Uh, it was kind of like, like we mentioned, my dad got me into it, and so we didn't really think twice about it. And I think back then it was probably a lot about, um, well, we ate well for one thing, but also just a good connection with my dad. Uh, it was just something that we did together, which was which was really really special. And then his friends and my friends, I think it just it kept me engaged in it because we kind of had a community of guys that did it. And then it was something for Dad and I to go do, and so we just enjoyed spending that time together. Um, but I think as I got have gotten older, um, it's really been I think become more of an important part of my life, maybe than it even was back then. You know, you spend a lot of times at events, like I mentioned earlier, behind cameras and behind computers. And so just that, that reconnection time uh, to nature and to wildlife um, really helps me kind of press a reset button on life. Um, just like everybody else, we're very, very busy. And so just looking forward to those, whether it's an evening, you know, like at my parents' property hunting, or if it's, you know, a week out west and getting the opportunity to do that, it's I never feel bad coming out of those environments. So it just kind of resets me. And then for me, being a believer as well, I, I always just feel uh, closer to God in those type of environments and having the opportunity to pray um, and, and just to spend some time, whether it's in the deer stand or out on the mountain, just means a lot to me. I think it, it, it helps center me and it makes me uh, a better husband, um, a better a better boss, um, a better friend. Uh, just kind of like, like you mentioned, it kind of just brings us back to the roots of who we are, I feel like. And um, so I think it's changed a little bit, but I'd say it's more vital to me now than, than it's been in my life any other time. Dude, you just killed it with that answer. That was that was spot on. Holy cow. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the greatest moments I've had with God have been out, you know, out hunting. When I'm just out there by myself, you know, nobody near me it's just basically me and god and what he's created and some of those moments are just i mean it's, it's hard to put into words what the you know what you're feeling and that kind of thing when you're going through that and that and it's like you said it's re- reinvigorating i mean it's, it kind of resets us gets us back to where we are that way when we do come home we can be better husbands we can you know in my case be better fathers we can you know take care of our obligations that are out of the woods by resetting ourselves while we're in the woods. Absolutely. And I've, I've started to bringing uh, something to write on, like a, a journal type thing with me. Um, Cause it just felt like a lot of times when I'm out there, I'm, I, it's the clearest time for me to think. And then, like I said, reset. And so I've begun writing, you know, those experiences and those things that come to my mind down and, um, and just being able to, to look at that, you know, come back and look at that later and just remember what it was like. It's really neat. That's funny that you mentioned that. Cause that's actually something I started doing back last deer season. And, um, I've got, I'm actually sitting here looking at the journal sitting on my bookshelf right now. And I've started writing down for every hunt I've gone on since I think it was the beginning of October of last year, every hunt I've gone on, yeah. I've written down like a little summary of where it was, you know, what was the weather like and that kind of thing. I've actually got a future episode plan where I'm going to talk about getting into, you know, journaling your hunts and that kind of thing. So it's, it's awesome that you just mentioned that. That's great, man. And, yeah. and it's so, because it can, it can just blur together 
so much. And so, you know, being able to write that down and then just think of later on being able to pass that down to your kids, you know, for them to, yeah. to, to read about something that you were passionate about. That's so cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, man. That was a great conversation. So where can listeners learn more about Beyond the Lens Productions? Yeah, so we're on all of the, the, the social media uh, stuff, you know, we're on, on Facebook and Instagram. It's just uh, Beyond the Lens Productions and then at Beyond the Lens Productions for, for Instagram. So you can connect with us, uh, any of the Facebook stuff. Um, we actually have a website as well that's beyondthelens.tv, um, like television. And so they can go on there and see a lot of what we're currently working on. You're going to see a lot of, you know, weddings and business commercials and things like that on our site. Um, a lot of our wildlife stuff actually lives on um, uh, another website. It's contactoutdoorsmedia.com. And uh, on there, the, the bear film that I had mentioned is on there. A little teaser that we put together of one of our South Dakota trips are on there. And uh, that whole website is um, a, a place where Brian, the guy who's the subject of that bear film, um, where he kind of just collects the hunts that he's been on. He does some blogging. And so um, I'm the videographer on staff there for Contact Outdoors Media as part of the team. And so you can see a lot of our work um, just right there on that website. Awesome. I'll be sure to put that link in the show notes as well for both of those, for both your business website and for Contact Outdoors Media, for sure. Awesome. I appreciate that, man. No problem at all. No problem at all. But man, this was an awesome conversation. I'm glad we were able to get together and have it. I think uh, we were able to get a lot of great things out of this one. Um, I just want to thank you again for coming on, taking the time out to get on here and, you know, talk about what you do best. I appreciate that. No problem. I, I love the opportunity just to, to share it. Well, I was going to mention too, one of the things that I uh, really just enjoy about your podcast, kind of the diversity of it, you know, this morning I just listened to the, the snowy oak coffee, yeah. you know, episode and to know that, you know, one's coming up here about videography and then about journaling. I, I like how broad it is and it, it, it's neat that there's a lot of different subjects, but really the, the core of it is a love for the outdoors and, and God and country, like you said, and that's just, that's just really neat. Well, I, absolutely, man. I appreciate that. Uh, that's really what, what kind of drove me to do this podcast was because I could sit here. I mean, there's there's all kinds of podcasts already out there about, you know, tactics and techniques. And quite honestly, I couldn't really do a podcast on that because I'm still learning all that kind of stuff myself. So I all wanted right. to come to, you know, get something together that I could contribute to this this arena and it's just the I kind of call it the the meaningful side of hunting. So I yeah. try to I try to not that none of it not not the rest of it doesn't mean anything, but it's kind of the the thoughtful side, the insightful side of it. So you know all the other things that are involved other than the actual you know skill set. So that's that's really Absolutely. what kind of drove me to it. Um.